0: and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Monday night as I'm recording here, uh, joined by a very special guest, writer for Bleacher Reports, uh, one of my favorite writers to read, uh, kind of the national ideas, uh, bringing in the national perspective, but while also kind of focusing in on the Denver Nuggets as an, an important team in the sphere of the NBA, which you don't necessarily see that all the time uh it is also a co-host of the hardwood knox podcast it is dan Favalli. uh dan thank you so much for hopping on man really appreciate it oh no problem thank you so much for having me ryan it's an honor to be here thank you man it's uh i, I as i mentioned before really good friends with tj mcbride i know you guys have connected over at the uh Oh gosh, what is the name of the podcast network? I'm, I'm now completely forgetting. Blue Wire. Blue Wire, yeah. How how can I forget that? That's so dumb. <laughs> uh, no, you guys. I know you guys do great stuff over at Blue Wire uh, and the Hardwood Knox is one of the podcasts that I generally listen to, especially if you guys drop Nuggets content, which is ex- exceptionally often. Uh, given just a very strong uh, Nuggets following, from what I understand, yeah, right? I don't, I don't
1: know how that happened. I think maybe our podcast, which is wrong all the time, but we were definitely earlier than most national podcasts on falling in love with Nikola Jokic, and I think we ended up building up some really goodwill with Denver Nuggets fans when that happened.
0: Hundred percent. I, I also have to imagine that that Andy Bailey kind of being a cult hero follower of Nikola Jokic, uh, and then being connected along with you guys on that pod and Adam Adam as well he's he's based in denver and, and has been has been out here for a while too uh there's there's a lot of, of connection there so thank you again for coming on i'm i'm looking forward to this for sure uh we are going to split this into two parts folks so we're going to talk about the nuggets kind of as a contender and and where they stand within the pecking order of the nba right now where they need to go uh, and then part two, we're going to go into the trade talks. We're, we're going to spend a whole episode on that. That will drop on Wednesday if you're listening to this on Tuesday. So make sure to check that out. Dan is, has a great mind for the trade aspect of the NBA as well. So I'm looking forward to that conversation. But for now, let's talk about the Nuggets as a contender. And I, I think those are kind of... Uh, Kind of it's an ironic statement, if you know what I mean, because when when Jamal Murray goes down and Michael Porter goes down kind of game nine of the season, it starts to look pretty shaky with Denver as as a contender in the NBA. And I'm sure that that was a a feeling that you've had that you've talked about. Where where do you think Denver stands now? Kind of 20 games removed from when Porter exited the rotation.
1: Yeah, look, I think. Had they had Porter or Jamal Murray, or if you could tell me they have one of those guys to close the year with, you absolutely throw them probably into the top four of the West. What's interesting, though, is that they could probably still be in the top four of the West. I would not put them looking at their current roster. even with not having PJ Dozier is huge for them the rest of the year as well. If they do right. nothing to their roster, I think they still have a chance to crack the top four. I wouldn't begin to think about putting them in front of Utah, Phoenix, or or Golden State. But the way the West is also built right now, I don't know that there's a first round matchup Um, You know, Phoenix or Golden State would be the ones I'd look at and say, this current state of the Nuggets, I don't know that I would pick them if they don't have a Murray or a Porter Jr. in there. But the current state of the West is such that you could pit them against almost any team. And as currently built, if you have Nicole Jokic, and if you have, you know, Aaron Gordon defending as well as he's been, if you're just able to have, you know, be healthy, that's a huge advantage in the NBA these days. I think they have a chance. And so I'm not sure their record is reflective of how good they actually are they have slipped a lot defensively over the the last month or so. And I think they absolutely have the potential to be better there. I was digging into that that data for something that I was writing and opponents have been killing them from three. And I think that there's some luck really caked in there when you're looking at how high opponents have been shooting since like November 20th or whatever it is. So I think the nuggets are in the mix for the top four. And if I had to peg them just right now, where I think that they are, I think they're probably like the fifth best team in the West, which is a pretty big deal when you lose two of your three most important players, probably for the season, if not most
0: of the season. Who's the fourth team that you have over them right now?
1: I think I would just be more inclined to say that it's not a team. I just have a feeling that Memphis is either going to stay there or that we see the Lakers sort of perk up a little bit. Um, Maybe they do something. Maybe Anthony Davis gets healthy and um, they're just able to make an improvement on the margins. Perhaps Portland figures it out. I definitely would not bet on on that last one, but it's, it's more of an admission that I think there'll be a different team, a healthier team. Maybe it's Kawhi coming back when Jamal Murray doesn't or something for the Clippers. That just sort of creeps in there.
0: Right. And I I totally agree with you that there's there's enough candidates there that I think you could definitely say, hey, look, this is a this is a wide ranging West that has looked very different in recent years. And there are some teams that could revert to that mean where the Clippers creep back in or the Lakers creep back in and they start to figure some things out. Although Anthony Davis going down, I I just I I really struggle with figuring them out, man. Like I, I don't have any trust in anybody on that roster right now. It's just, I, yeah, I'd be with no, you. I think go ahead. Any, any, I mean, any
1: team you name. make, like even I think people will want to throw Dallas in there. If you could say that Luca and KP are both going to be healthy. One, yeah. you just can't say that. I mean, KP yeah. has been out of shape and not healthy. And now I think Chris is dealing with a lower leg injury or lower, whatever the heck it is at this point. And there's just, there's so many flawed teams outside the top three. So that if you said, Hey, we know that the Nuggets, as we're recording this, are where they? they're sixth. So like, even fifth's not that big of a jump. If if they finish fourth, as is like that's that's eminently possible.
0: Hundred um, percent. I think that, and, and more importantly than than necessarily their standing, it's about the quality of play that's going to have to come from them in order to kind of crack that top three. And it's going to be hard because there really is a is a tangible jump. Between the top three seeds and then what the rest of the West really looks like here, it's kind of just a morass of bleh. Uh, I and I th- Denver, like their their net ratings are kind of kind of emblematic of that. They're 13th in offense right now, 19th in defense, 16th in in net rating as I as I remember this from before tonight's games. Uh, I tend to think that as Jamal Murray kind of nears a return, as you get a little bit more healthy, if you're Denver, there are certain guys that you're not going to get back. Like, I don't think you're going to get back Michael Porter. I don't think you're going to get back PJ Dozier. But if you do get back Jamal Murray, and I really do think that they are, uh, then where do you think that takes them from uh, kind of that average spot? Can they crack that top three?
1: I honestly, I don't know. I would still probably say no, just because when is Jamal Murray coming back at that point? He was injured in April of, of last season.
0: We we think that he is on track for a February return. And so just 10 it's, months, it's,
1: basically. Just a yeah, lower it's, end of uh, the time table.
0: So one one of the reasons for that is he's just attacked every single portion of his rehab as as ferociously as his reputation says he will. Uh, he's been very, very like like there have been no setbacks in his recovery. There have been no like every every checkpoint that he's needed to meet. He's met that checkpoint. And and so it's not often that you see guys just kind of breeze through that. And, and right now he's doing it well. So so cross your fingers, knock on wood. But I think he's he's probably going to get back somewhere kind of after the all star break.
1: If you're getting him back that early and, and you're going to be you're going to know more about that than I would. I just knowing that Porter Jr is out that he's in his age 24 season and now you don't really have to worry about Aaron well you just don't have to worry about Aaron Gordon's free agency. I was curious if they would slow play it a little bit more since there's no rush with that actual core. If you're getting him back that early though, if you can stay within striking distance of, you know, I think golden state and Phoenix are pretty clearly going to run away with one and two, if you can stay within right. striking distance of Utah, like within four games, four games, of the loss column. And I think they're five right now, as we're recording this, I give you a chance, but I also, I don't know what to expect from Jamal Murray. When he comes back, we know the ACL injuries, aren't those, you know, career warpers like they used to be. You have to imagine that he's still going to need some time to just get his bearings about. And I think this leads, back to the fact that it really doesn't matter where they finish. It matters what they look like entering the postseason. because I think if you have Jamal yeah. Murray and you are going up against the warriors or the Suns, no, I don't know that you would pick Denver in that situation, but it's not an unwinnable. This isn't, you know, we're not dealing with the warriors having Kevin Durant. There's no just foregone conclusion in the league right now. The nets aren't even that team that everyone thought was going to be the, the no brainer runaway championship favorite. So if you have him back, um, and especially if you get him back that early, because if he's back in mid-February, whatever, after the All-Star break, whatever, that's like a month and a half, almost two months before the playoffs kickoff for him to like kind of find his groove. And if he's 70% of the Jamal Murray that he was, that's absolutely monstrous for the Nuggets.
0: It's, it's not even just what he adds to the starting group, because I think what we've seen with Jokic – and with with what Monte Morris has brought in, and Aaron Gordon has brought in, Will Barton has brought in guys like that, is that Denver can score and and they can they can match almost anybody point for point while Jokic is on the floor. It's just the cascading effect that comes when Murray enters the rotation, and you've got Morris moving back to the bench, and you've got uh, maybe Will Barton staggering with Morris instead of Will Barton staggering with Faku. Uh, it's just there's there's so much that they can then build upon with their rotation. And you just add to the number of guys that fill out that rotation that are quality playoff caliber players. It gives me a lot of confidence that once they, once they kind of reach that point, they are, are going to be in a lot better of a position than they probably were. Uh, let me ask you this. Uh, putting aside jamal murray for a second because it, it is such a question mark that it's just it's it's a hypothetical it's it's a you don't you don't really know uh jeff green how much have you been able to watch what he's done with denver starting units? uh to me from from my perspective it seems like he's replaced a lot of what michael porter has brought not necessarily from a volume standpoint but just from filling in as a role player what do you think
1: I would agree with you. And it's also, this is semi-related just, it's funny when you play with those lineups and you remove Jeff green for Jermichael green and just the net rating discrepancy in those two different versions. Uh, because their actual, their preferred 35 at the moment is still killing people. But if you put Jermichael Green with those four instead of Jeff Green, the net rating plummets. Look, Michael Porter Jr. wasn't playing well, probably because he was dealing with his back stuff. And to have Jeff Green, who shot the ball so well from three lately, and like you said, it's not a volume thing, but it's someone who doesn't need the ball in his hands, if you can count on to stretch the floor, can count on to do some big man stuff, though, on the, on the defensive end as well, but also some wing stuff, That's that ended up being... I wouldn't even say a great signing for them, but when you just look at how the season has unfolded, almost mission critical for them.
0: Yeah, 100%. It's just I, where Denver would be without Jeff Green at this point, I, I have no idea because you're you're now playing Aaron Gordon at the three, and you can only be able to do that because, one, you have Jokic, because that that's kind of just a cheat code of being able to build a normal front court. Uh, but, two, Jeff Green has been able to play inside-outside switch, uh, roll to the rim, do a whole bunch of different stuff that uh, you, you would like to see Michael Porter do when he comes back while also kind of adding the, the predator natural shooting. Uh, but they've become more wing oriented now with a, with Aaron Gordon and Jeff Green versus Michael Porter and Paul Millsap last year. I do think that there is something to that from a just a playoff viability standpoint where you're going up against a team like let's say the Phoenix Suns. If you've got Aaron Gordon and Jeff Green, versus Michael Porter, I think that there's a lot of... I'll, I'll get to this take when, when when we wrap up with this particular segment, but I do think that there's there's a lot to be said about that transition from kind of an offensive to defensive mentality there.
1: Yeah, it certainly helps. And Michael Porter Jr., I thought, at least before this season, improved a lot defensively. I think when you look at at least the stuff he was doing as a helper, Jeff Green is going to give you a lot more I think in certain matchups on the ball. And if you need him to go, because look, Aaron Gordon, since he's come over from Denver, um, it does seem like he defends so much at the point of attack, more so than someone his size or of ilk really should. And there are matchups that that has a trickle down effect because you need him to do that. You're going to need these like wing types to go up against bigger bodies. And you don't want Michael Porter jr. Is not that guy. He's just, I don't know if he's strong enough. He's definitely never just been good defensively enough. I'm not saying Jeff green is the answer, but he's certainly a better answer to those situations, those playoff uh, pressure cooker type of matchups one-on-one than Michael Porter Jr. would be. And so you absolutely would rather have a healthy Michael Porter Jr. because the ceiling on his offense is just so high. It's going to outdo anything Jeff Green does as a two-way role player. But I think when you shorten your rotation, at least for Denver, and you're in a postseason setting, having Jeff Green play this well and having the Aaron Gordon, that sort of tandem the like the 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 archetype of that tandem i think it does allow you to probably do more things and hang tougher against select contenders than maybe others would think
0: yeah i'm i'm very curious to see how they handle it i'm very curious to see what it looks like against a team like memphis versus a team like uh golden states like there's there's only so many players that you can actually play in a rotation against golden state and uh, I think Jeff Green's one of them. I think he's a guy that you, you ideally would like as a a four or five kind of guy who can switch and do a whole bunch of different things, kind of like what you did with Brooklyn last year. Uh, there's some stuff for that. Like, I, I do think that there's there's a lot of viability there, uh, but that's only one guy, and, and Aaron Gordon's one guy. You, you still need other players to fill out your rotation. So in your eyes – what, what are sort of the holes that, like, let's say Murray comes back. Let's say Porter's out, obviously Dozier's out. Actually, Porter, obviously, it, it's not an obvious thing with him. Like, we we aren't really sure what his status is right now. It's been very kind of ambiguous as to what the timetable is for him. And I think that they're doing that on purpose for, for obvious reasons, but uh, assuming he's out want to take a minute to talk about DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NBA, because it's Christmas week here at DraftKings Sportsbook, and they have a gift that'll certainly put you in the holiday spirit. New customers can bet just $5 on any NBA team and win $150 in free bets if they're victorious. It's a great way to put some extra jingle in your pocket, because DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also get in the Christmas spirit with the holiday free bet surprise where everyone will get a free bet up to $50 instantly as DraftKings gives away up to $10 million in free prizes overall. DraftKings, they are safe, secure, and reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. It is that easy. So make sure to go download DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code MHS when you do, where you can bet just $5 on any NBA team win $150 in free bets. It is that simple, with promo code MHS this Christmas week at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. some of uh, Denver's holes in your mind on their roster that if you're going to go up against some of these top teams that you have to fill this spot, that you have to fill that spot that you need X points from here or uh, steals from here. What do you think?
1: I think it it would all come down to, especially if you're saying Jamal Murray is going to be there, you need complementary wings. And I don't think they're necessarily, I that's what every team probably wants is three indie wings even if you need to skew one way or the other, where it's, can you get a wing who's just really good defensively? Maybe it shrinks the floor a little bit for you in the half court, but they're going to provide you so much at the two, three, maybe even the four uh, that it really nudges the needle in the right direction for you. Or on the flip side, can you get properly sized wings who are going to hit threes, maybe cut really hard and just work well off off Jokic? You don't necessarily want anyone to be high usage, but it also would be nice if you can get someone who is capable of putting the the ball on the floor just so you don't run out of that on ball juice after Jokic, Murray, and, and Will Barton. Just have someone who can help you there. I would think that if you're going to have those three players, the latter is going to be my least concern just because you're assuming two of those three guys are basically going to be on the court at all times. And you still do have Monte Morris. Aaron Gordon has these weird, really good offensive games where if he's on the ball a little bit more, but definitely... Again, a three and D wing is always the goal, but if you can get a wing that that goes in either of those directions um, and really upgrade you from the current personnel that you have at that spot, whether it's just defensively or just as a floor spacer, I think that would go a long way
0: for them. Something that's really stands out to me with Golden State's rotation in particular is is the depth of guys that they have that fill these different roles, that have filled those roles for a while, like a, a Damian Lee or a Juan Toscano Anderson, or guys Love like that, that guy, who kind way, of he's just he's so good he's he's so physical and and versatile and and does a lot of different things but they're they're completely different players but they fill kind of not the same position but uh they, they kind of mishmash kind of cross match between different skill sets that you need at any particular point in time uh i think that that stands out and, and i think that when when you're talking about Denver and from their perspective, they always skew offense. They're always going to skew on the offensive end uh, with their with their guys. And if you're thinking about their rotation from this perspective, um, I think that they have six guys right now that you can trust in a playoff setting. You've got Jamal Murray, if he comes back, Monte Morris, Will Barton, Aaron Gordon, Jeff Green, and Nikola Jokic. Uh, that's three guards, two wings, slash forwards, whatever you want to call them, and one big. Uh, I I I kind of was very uh, stingy in terms of who I put into this rotation, and and I do think that there's one guy that you're probably going to want to talk about that may make an appearance in this rotation, or or may may make an appearance in uh, some other team's rotation if if teams are going to want to trade for him or ask for him in a in a potential sweetener for a deal. Uh, can you guess who I'm thinking of? I'm I'm hoping it's Bones Highland. It, it is Bones Highland. Uh, I'm probably going to write on him tomorrow because he is so fascinating as a player. I was doing some data work on him. He reminds me a lot statistically of Emmanuel Quigley last year. Okay. And I think that th- he may have a larger ceiling than that because of his frame, because of what he can do kind of, uh, with a 69 wingspan with kind of the the cerebral nature that he gets to the rim and then playmakes for others but i think that's a guy that's kind of connecting the dots between your New York team and my Denver team like there there are some scenario or some similarities between those two and i know a lot of people want emmanuel quickly to play more
1: i will one say that without question busy bones has a higher ceiling than emmanuel quickly when you look at whether it's in college or it hasn't happened as much in the league, but he's a contortionist around the rim. So it's not just the outside shooting, and it feels like at his peak, uh, Emmanuel Cookley's game will still stall out a little bit before the rim, where he's going to need that floater to fall. Where Highland, I think, can attack you from a bunch of different levels. And like you said, there, there's the wingspan element. Neither of those two project to be huge on defense. But I was surprised. Um, I thought Bones Highland was going to be a worse passer when he came to the league too than this. After from what I did watch of Me the. Too not his actual college games because I don't watch college basketball games. I can't do it, but of the college footage that I watch in preparation of the draft. So, you know, if, if he cracks the rotation while Jamal, if Jamal Murray's still in the rotation, that would have always been my concern. But I guess if you don't consider, uh, Faku playable in, in the playoffs, that would make sense. It's also sad. I agree with you as an aside, but it is sad that we're at the point where Jermichael Green is not included in that. He can play in the playoffs. That just, it hurts my soul a little bit.
0: Yeah. It's, it's, it's been, it's been trending that direction uh, ever since kind of the end of last year, where you, you could see the writing on the wall, on the wall with uh, Millsap and Green lineups when they're trying to play those two bigs. As an aside, uh, JaVale McGee was was on the back end of that roster and not playing. Uh, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. He might be um, playing okay for Phoenix at the moment. He's uh, he's, uh, he's doing it- all right. Um, but yeah, so that that's six guys right now, and I think if you wanted to add Bones or Faku or Austin Rivers then that's seven. If you're thinking of a fourth guard, I don't think you can add more than a fourth guard. Like I don't think you could play five guards in a, in a tangible playoff rotation or else you get too small. Uh, especially if, if one of those guys is going to be Faku Kompazo. Uh, you've already got Monte Morris, who's undersized. You've got uh, Will Barton who can't necessarily play against a bunch of bigger threes. Like he needs to play against twos. Uh, so it just creates a whole bunch of mismatches across the way. Uh, he's also like bones Highland also kind of Jordan Clarkson for me out of the draft. Like that's somebody who I, who I would have compared him to, but he's been much more than that. He really has been much more as a passer uh, yeah. at such a young age. And I'm I'm so excited for him and the efficiency that he's showing as a shooter right now. Uh, I don't know if I still have this pulled up, but I want to want to check it here real quick. Among rookies this year, only eight of them, have a usage rate above 20%. Uh Bones is one of them, and also 15 minutes per game. Uh Bones is one of them, and he leads that group outside of Alper and Shangood in true shooting percentage. Like you've got Cunningham, Jalen Suggs, Jalen Green, uh, Josh Giddy, Chris Duarte, Trey Mann, like these are all these guards that were in this draft. And I know that they Denver's been able to slow pay, so slow play. Bones a little bit more uh, because he's a because they're they're trying to compete and some of these other teams aren't. But I just think he's going to be really good and and maybe he's a guy that you, you fill into this playoff rotation and that's how you get some of that extra offense kind of vacated from Michael Porter Jr.'s absence.
1: Yeah, I mean if he's going to shoot like he does and you know he's I was looking before and he's only like five of eighteen on corner threes this year and so his three point mm. clip is deceptively low. He shoots above 37% above the break. Uh, he's finishing above 60% at the rim. And like I said, just to give you that level, like those two levels of scoring in you know, a playoff setting and to do it on or off the ball. Um, just because he looks so comfortable, just really if it's just a couple dribbles taking a shot or just catching and firing, that's monstrous for for Denver's offense. And um it is you name off all those guards, and it's like you get into a situation where if you don't make any changes to this roster, you probably need Will Barton's the the clear choice, but is Austin Rivers going to need to defend threes at some point? And that I think is where you get into some of the biggest issues with their their roster from a postseason
0: perspective. It's one of the reasons why PJ Dozier being out is just so massive because he's the guy that you you use as a like if you're if you're trading somebody like Will Barton for example, like you you move him for help at a different position, but you've also got PJ Dozier in your back pocket as somebody that kind of switches up and down the lineup as somebody who kind of connects everything together. And uh, it's it's just been painful for Denver. So, uh, okay. So that's enough of that. Uh, is there any, like, uh, let, me, let me just mention some of the other guys, by the way, on this roster. Davon Reed, hardship exception guy. Like he's probably not going to play like, like let's, let's be honest. He's, he's not on a full-time roster spot. I can't count him until he is.
1: Look, let's not rule anything out with the way that COVID is just ripping through the league right now. So <laughs> yeah.
0: there's, there's, that's a, that's a terrible thought right there. And it is true. But like, I, I also do like Dave on Like, I, I think that he's a Jokic ball player, somebody who understands his role and gives the ball to Jokic. And that's kind of just how everybody should be doing it. Um, Zeke Naji. More of a forward slash big than, than really a wing. Uh, not necessarily going to be switching out onto all those guys. But interestingly, uh, NBA.com, their their defensive isolation numbers have him as Denver's best isolation defender, which not really surprised uh, based off of watching him. He's really, really good. Um, but I don't think like the, the big one here other than the wings is that I don't think you can count on Jamichael Green like we're talking about. Uh, him not being able to play for Denver and like after they, they re-signed him, they gave him a raise this off season, gave him another player option on top of what he had. Uh, it it just has really, really backfired up till this point and they just haven't been able to run functional offense.
1: That was definitely a, he trash talked the Clippers tax. I think that they paid because he came home <laughs> from the Clippers and was like, Denver just had all these good vibes and LA didn't, and it feels like Denver had to pay a little bit of a tax for that.
0: <laughs> Man, it's just they—they they probably got the wrong uh, Clippers forward this last offseason, and they probably should have gone after Nicholas Batum. That seems like a—that seems like yeah. it could have been an oversight. You're a Hornets fan. I, it's working out for you right now. That—that <laughs> that dude was a zero
1: on near max money for a couple of years, and I'll give him credit when they stopped playing him. He was still, you know, his demeanor was was good, uh, but to then see him go. 12 he led the clippers in total minutes last year that's one of my favorite stats from the season it's one of those things where it smacks you in the face but it's also like when you went through their injuries okay i get it but he led the clippers a genuine playoff team in the western conference in in total minutes last year and was just huge for them
0: both on defense and off just nuts he's been even better this year like it's it's just kind of crazy to see what he does and like there's there's a reason why they've been as like in the playoff mix as they are um uh, uh, you speaking of Charlotte, like Gordon Hayward, Miles Bridges, Kelly Oubre, Cody Martin, of all people, like they have you so know, The Martin twins are having a, it's it's having a moment. They're having a moment on separate teams, but they're having a moment. They're so much better than the morrises It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Jokic
1: brothers would agree, I believe. The Jokic
0: brothers would definitely agree. Um, okay. So at this point, I think it's been firmly established because uh, – Vlacko Chanchar, Bol, Bol, Marcus Howard, Peter Cornelly, they're not going to fill these minutes. Zeke Nagy might, uh, but I have concerns about whether they're willing to play him in those situations. Uh Michael Green, they're going to play until like he's grounded the dust. That's that's just kind of like Michael Malone loves. He really, really loves him. And like Nikola Jokic loves him, and that's one of the reasons, too. But I just think that they need more. They need more explosiveness. They mean they need more pop from that position. And whether that's actually pick and pop shooting or if it's just like athleticism at the rim on both ends of the floor, like, I don't care. Like they, they've they just got to get somebody who like, if he's going to be a pick and pop big, you got to shoot threes. You got to be able to hit them. So um, you need a wing, play strong defense. You need a big that protects the rim. Anything else that I'm missing here? No, I
1: don't think you are. I mean, if you don't know, think that Jamal Murray's coming back, like you said, you you need, I guess maybe let's call like the Someone who's not more experienced version of Bones Highland, those guys just cost too much. And I think in Denver's situation, I don't know how aggressive you should be to try and fill any of these holes of the the deadline. But like you said, if they they seem to be banking on Jamal Murray coming back, I would think that those that you outlined are the only needs that that they really have.
0: If Jamal Murray isn't back, and and I I think he will be, but if Jamal Murray isn't back, then I think you just play Bones Highland because if you're already down Michael Porter, then being down Michael Porter and Jamal Murray, like trading assets in order to fill and replace that role. They already got another guy that's going to replace that role eventually. Like it just seems like a very strong mismanagement of assets for a team that needs a wing. They don't need another yep. scoring guard. They they just need a wing that will play defense and potentially a seven-footer that'll fill in for 10 to 15 minutes a night. Um, yeah, you, you would
1: definitely want to think, I think what you alluded to is what happens beyond this season too, because you want whoever you acquire to be a fit for next season, whether they're under contract or not. And if you go the, we need a Jamal Murray replacement route or you know, poor man's facsimile of Jamal Murray, that's not someone you're going to bring back or need to have long term. And anyone you acquire that would even come close to meeting that box probably wants Bones Highland in the trade package anyway. And so Now, this would not be the season. I don't want to see them trade Bones Island at all. But this season of all seasons, when your contender window is just so in flux, you're definitely not trading someone who's shown that much.
0: 100%. Um, I think that's going to do it for part one here, man. Like, I want to save the actual targets and the teams and some of the trade packages for the next part. Uh, But for now, folks, uh, make sure to tune in for tomorrow. Uh, We're doing this and I'm doing it like this because this uh, because this holiday season has just been killer and because the Denver Nuggets somehow got five days off. And so I'm trying to stretch out this content as much as I can. So we are just going to to have this good time. Uh, but everybody, you'll be able to check out. Make sure to follow Dan Favalli at Dan Favalli on Twitter and make sure to check out the Pickaxe and Roll podcast for tomorrow's episode. Thank you so much. Talk to you guys tomorrow.